It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Who's excited about Phase 2, everybody? Phase 2 is here. North Carolina will move into a safer-at-home Phase 2. Yes. On Friday, May 22nd at 5 p.m. Mm. Oh, it's just so exciting. Don't, well, don't get too excited. There are some limitations, okay? There are some restrictions. There are some rules with the Phase 2. I'm going to go over them, and this might surprise you. Some of them seem to be a bit arbitrary and maybe ignorant, but um, definitely inconsistent. Okay, definitely inconsistent. Thanks to everybody who has helped to make the show possible. Folks like Billy and Jeff and Nicole, Nick, and let me see here uh, who else we got. Ron and Kim and Daniel and Eugene, Mark. Trent, I appreciate the support. Thanks so much. Uh, we'd not be able to do it without you guys. I also need to thank Mattress Man, Mattress Man Stores, four locations here in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide, by the way. And it is Memorial Day weekend coming up here, and so they've got their big Memorial Day sale. For example, you can get a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. So call or visit the store for the details. Uh, because some restrictions may apply depending on what kind of base you're getting. But you can get a free adjustable base, which is great, by the way. If you're trying to reduce snoring, you can raise the head. You want to improve your circulation, you can raise the feet, the foot of the bed. Uh, also, the Biltmore Collection by Restonic. These are made in North Carolina, out in Fayetteville. Uh, you can get a free box spring with the purchase of one of the Biltmore mattresses. Okay. They're the only ones that sell these mattresses here. Um, also, sleep now, pay later. You can finance a new mattress for up to two years with 0% APR financing. Check them out online, mattressmanstores.com. They have five-star delivery service. They have the 120-day comfort guarantee. Um, they have inner spring mattresses, pillow top mattresses, natural latex mattresses. Uh, they have the memory foam. This is the kind of bed that Christy and I have. We bought it several years ago from Mattress Man. We love it. And uh, we say it's like sleeping on a big marshmallow. That's what it reminds us of. <laughs> you lay into the thing and it just, it, it forms around your body, just like it meets the contours of your body. So uh, you got to check them out. If you've never laid on a memory foam mattress, go check them out. Go check out the website, mattressmanstores.com and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. Okay, so we are going to move into phase two in North Carolina. And for folks who are listening from other states, we get it. You're ahead of us. Everybody's ahead of us. We know this, okay? It's not a race. If it was, we'd be losing badly. But um, <laughs> we, are, all right, we are behind everybody, and that is the data and the science and the facts um, here in North Carolina that we are relying on. Apparently, it's just different science here in North Carolina uh, than when you cross the border. Uh, so while the, the, the virus doesn't respect uh, the uh, state and county lines, uh, obviously data, science, and facts respect county and state lines. That's the only thing I can determine from why the rules seem so different based on the same data, science, and facts. Um, so phase two. You'll recall a couple of weeks ago when the governor laid out his phase, uh, his three-phased, quote, plan, 
uh, I said at the time, this, this is going to this is going to take us all the way into July, and that's the it seems to be that's the pace that we are on. It didn't seem this week. It did not seem like Governor Cooper was going to be able to withstand the pressure that was being directed at him to reopen the state, because what's happening is all of these other states are reopening, and some of them have been open for now long enough a long enough period of time, like two weeks or more, that you can see what impact the increased mobility of the population has had on the numbers. And they're not seeing a lot of uh, impact. And all of these predictions about uh, this, you know, these massive outbreaks that would be occurring and massive death uh, tolls uh, just hasn't come to pass. So if you're relying on the data, the science and the facts, they're looking at North Carolina uh, data and science and facts, they say, and they're coming to different conclusions, which I'm not so sure we're looking and we're look. Well, we are looking at the same data, but I'm not. Well, actually, no, hang on a second. We may not be all looking at the same data. I don't know what data they're looking at. They just point us to the dashboard and show us these data sets, but I'm not sure. Are they looking at other data sets that they're not sharing with us? I assume they are, actually. So, yeah, we're not looking at the same data. So I'm not so sure we can draw the same conclusions, but given the data you're presenting to me, I have some concerns and questions about the application of certain standards and assumptions that are being made about businesses, certain kinds of businesses. Okay, so let me get to the audio here. This was from the governor's press briefing. This is from Wednesday, the 20th, uh, May 20th. And uh, this is where he was announcing that he intends to change the order to move to phase two. Uh, It's going to go from a um, was a stay at home order, the Shio executive order. So stay at home. It's now going to be uh, safer at home. Luckily for me, the abbreviation is going to be the same safer at home executive order so it's still going to be a shio so yay me i get to use the shio acronym for a few more weeks probably five because that's how long phase two is going to be five weeks okay five weeks the businesses that the governor is not allowing to reopen they're going to be gone they'll be dead they're out of business five more weeks of this you've already they've already been closed for two months another month and a half they're done they're done Seriously, like, what, like, how are you going to stay in business after three and a half, four months of being out of business? A whole, a whole, uh, more than a quarter, fiscal year quarter, they're they're done, and and you're starting to see the closings now. You're starting to see. I saw uh, on Twitter yesterday that the was it the Manor Theater in Charlotte, which was a really cool old theater in Southeast Charlotte, sort of the Myers Park area. When I first moved to Charlotte, I had a tiny little apartment uh, uh, down off of Selwyn Avenue. And uh, this Manor Theater was about, I don't know, two miles away from me. And I, I've seen a couple movies there. The, mo- the theater's like 70-something years old. They're done. They're out of business. They're closed. And, they're, and theaters are among the businesses that are not going to be allowed to reopen. For some reason, and I'm not sure why. This is well, well. All right, one thing at a time. We'll get to it first. Let's get to uh, the audio clip. This is Governor Cooper uh, after he makes the announcement: we're moving to a phase two. But don't get too excited, everybody. Since we announced phase one, the state's overall key indicators remain stable. However, the increases in the COVID-19 cases signal a need to take a more modest step forward in phase two than originally envisioned. All right, so a more modest 
approach. Why? Because the number of cases has gone up. The number of cases. This is a key metric that the Cooper administration is using. The number of cases. Okay? Now, there are two ways that you can count cases, by the way. There's lab-confirmed cases, and then there's syndromic cases, they call it, which is how many people show up at a hospital, emergency department, By the way, when did that happen? They started calling it the ED, the emergency department, not the emergency room. They don't call it the ER anymore, which I don't know what to make of that whole TV series now, but the the, uh, emergency departments at hospitals. How many people show up presenting symptoms of COVID-19? Because there's a lag, right, in getting the tests done and then finding out whether or not you actually have it. Um, And so if you show up at a hospital and you're presenting with symptoms similar to COVID-19, then that counts as a syndromic case, okay? All right, so just keep that in mind, the number of cases. While I am lifting the stay-at-home order, we are shifting to a safer-at-home recommendation. And that's especially important for vulnerable people who are at risk for more severe illness. Teleworking, when possible, is also highly recommended. Safer-at-home means just what it says. Just because you can go more places doesn't mean you always should. Now, some businesses and places will remain closed in phase two, including bars, nightclubs, gyms, and indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment venues such as movie theaters, bowling alleys, and museums, and public playgrounds. This is because the potential spread of COVID-19 can be significant there. The mass gathering limits in phase two will be no more than 10 people indoors or 25 people outdoors. And this applies to event venues, conference centers, stadiums and sports arenas, amphitheaters, and groups at parks or beaches. When people gather together, one person can be the spark to spread the virus to many. Yeah, that's how viruses work. That's how it works. Yes, one person can spread any kind of sickness to other people. Oh, goodness. All right, so um, he lists some of these places. Bowling alleys, indoor exercise and fitness facilities, gyms, health clubs, movie theaters, skating rinks, Gaming establishments, reception venues for weddings and such, museums, amusement parks, bars, nightclubs, and bingo parlors. By the way, camps and uh, daycare, uh, they're allowed. I don't know what you do with some playground equipment that's at a daycare. Um, Is that closed off? Like you have a, you got a daycare center and you got all the kids running around in the little backyard and there's like a little swing set, little, you know, play set area. Do you have to like, you have to like rope that off so the kids can't use it? This is one of the things, too. The CDC, remember yesterday I brought to you the story about the CDC updating their guidelines, pointing out that it does not appear that COVID-19 spreads, the coronavirus spreads easily on uh, from contact surfaces. Yet here we are in playgrounds. Those are still closed down. The playgrounds are still shut down. Because why? Well, supposedly it's because people gather at the playground. So people who stand around at the playground while all the kids are running around on the monkey bars and the, actually, are you allowed to call them monkey bars anymore? I don't even know, right? Um, the, the the jungle gym, oh, wait, uh, can, I, can I call it a jungle gym? Is that a, 
Is that prohibited? The they're on the apparatus, okay? They're running around playing on the apparatus and um they're spreading COVID nineteen, I guess, all over the place. That's the idea. That's according to the governor. That this that yeah, like the contact services, even though the CDC says not easily spread that way. And by the way, as far as I know, most of these play sets, these apparatuses, the apparati, apparatus. Oh gosh. See, this is the problem when you guys keep changing all of the names on these things. Anyway, so the problem is that this this stuff is outside. All of these playgrounds are outside. And what do we know about it being outside? Is that it kills the virus. So why wouldn't you be encouraging everybody to go out there? Go 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 clean up. <laughs> go run around outside and get the sunlight disinfection going. This is what I mean. There's so much inconsistency in these rules that it's it's really starting to seem arbitrary which ones are getting picked and which ones are not. And why? The explanations. Some of them just don't make sense. Um, let me get... Here, hang on a second. This is... Uh, yeah, here it is. Why is it assumed that... Looking at these guidelines, why is it assumed that a fitness center can't do cleanings, can't do appointments, can't do social distancing. You're telling me that in a gym, that the gym owners could not figure out a way to create these bubbles of space around equipment so people aren't going to be uh, using the equipment. Like if you, because, right, so here's the idea for the fitness centers. There's a uh, an outbreak that occurred in South Korea that people are pointing to as proof that you know the fitness centers can be hot spots for the spread of this virus, and it makes some bit of sense because the case that they cite is some uh, uh, some class that they were teaching. It, it was like a like a Zumba type of exercise, like four hours. It was a four hour class, okay? Um, which like first off, like why four hours? But four hour a four hour class. Uh, for instructors, so people who want to teach some sort of you know latest fad kind of thing, uh, I don't think it was Zumba, but it was something like that. So you're, you're in there doing this like high octane cardio CrossFit kind of uh, workouts, and it's a training thing for the for instructors. Okay, so uh, they got like I don't know, it's like 150 people or something that were packed into this small space, and they're huffing and puffing for four hours, and like all of them got COVID 19 because like one person in the room had it and it got it, uh, it spread it to everybody right so this is being cited as the proof that oh my god we can't open the gyms now first off i would submit um four hours in a high intensity workout like that crammed in with a lot of people that that's not the norm right that's not the norm but you could now rearrange your setting so you don't do that because what's interesting is this same um this same fitness center also had a yoga class occurring, had far fewer people in it because it's yoga. No, oh, I'm kidding. I'm just, it's a joke. I love the yoga. I'm, I have nothing against yoga. So the, uh, <laughs> so there was a yoga class occurring, far fewer people in there. Um, and there was actually somebody in there, a couple people, I think, uh, if I remember the story correctly, there were a couple people in there that had COVID-19 and nobody else caught it. There was no spread. So how did that happen? Well, because yoga isn't the same sort of um, respiratory uh, methods going all right. Like you're not like yoga, you're controlling your breathing, you're focusing on your breathing, you're trying to keep it right. Like, aren't you trying to keep it from uh, getting uh, 
you know, huffing and puffing and that sort of thing. Whereas when you go into like the CrossFit thing, like you're, you know, high impact workout, huffing and puffing. And what that means is you're expelling your lung juice, your droplets, your respiratory droplets, whatever they call it, right? You're expelling that stuff and it's all into the air. It's all getting aerosolized or vaporized or whatever. And it's all, you know, everybody's just swimming around in the sweat and the spit. And, and, and when you have that many people in there, you're exchanging all of that lung juice. Yeah, it really makes you think now, right, about, about fitness classes you've been to. <clears throat> so to that extent, I understand. If you're going to cram everybody in and you're going to run them through some high-impact training, I can see how that would be um, a, a hot spot uh, outbreak site, right? However, why not implement restrictions that say you can't do that kind why not say, instead of putting all of the uh, treadmills next to each other, space them out every six feet or 10 feet or do appointments, appointment only. You can take appointments. Like, why can't you let these gyms and their, because there are a lot of people that work as personal trainers. Why not let them come in and schedule appointments to train people individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and then sanitize after? And by the way, like the private commercial gyms, they sanitize all the time. They're constantly cleaning their equipment and stuff, right? So I, I don't understand why the gyms, what's up with that? Why the gyms? Um, what else? Uh, bowling alleys. This was another one I don't get. Bowling alleys. First off, did you know there are still bowling alleys? That's, I kid, I kid. I've been to bowling alleys recently. I, I love the bowling alleys. I, I grew up bowling. Anyway, bowling alleys. How exactly is that a spread site? How exactly are bowling alleys the ground zero outbreak sites? Because you're using a bowling ball? Well, sanitize the bowling balls, right? Put hand sanitizer at all of the bowling ball stations, at all of the lanes. And so you sanitize before your hands before you put them in the bowling ball, right? You're, you sanitize, well, do they? The shoes, right? Spray the shoes out, sanitize the shoes, okay? Do the same thing with the balls. And a lot of people bring have their own bowling ball. But if you're like if you're going to be doing um uh bowling alley uh and you're going with like a group of friends or something, like is that the idea? You don't want like the parties? Well then restrict the number of people in the parties. Say you can't have more than four people or or ten people. He's got a limit of ten people anyway indoors. So say no more than ten people in a gathering in a bowling alley. And then separate every other lane. So you can't pack in every lane. you got to go every other lane. Now, I don't know if that makes it unprofitable for a bowling alley to operate and they might as well just stay closed. I don't know. So that's the other thing, too. Restaurants are going to be able to open here at 50% capacity under the Phase 2 order. But we don't know. Like, a restaurant needs to turn over a certain number of tables every hour in order to be profitable. And now they're telling you you have to basically cut all that in half. You know what's going to happen is all the prices are going to be going up. The prices to dine out will be going up. They, they have to, right? They have to. There's, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some COVID-19 surcharges slapped onto menus and such. Why is it assumed that a fitness center can't do these cleanings? Why is it assumed that a bowling alley can't sanitize and space out the bowlers? Movie theaters. Why is it assumed that a movie theater can't rope off sections and say, here's where you sit, and then you give a certain amount of space away, do it like a big checkerboard. 
in the in, in, and do the seating like that. Does that mean you can run as many movies? No. It doesn't mean you can seat as many people. No. But if you can find a way to do it, then you can do it. Why not allow these businesses the opportunity to try? You're letting all the other businesses try, right? You're letting all these like all these other professional services and stuff, all these other quote essential businesses, they all get to try. How come they get to try? But these other businesses don't. Bars and nightclubs, they're screwed. They're done. Right? Which is weird too because the restaurants, they can open, sell alcohol, and some of these restaurants turn like the bar area of the restaurant Right with the high top tables all around, I'm thinking, you know, TGI Fridays or Applebee's, right? Some places like that. Um, they've got a bar in the restaurant, so that's going to be allowed to be open. That's part of the 50% capacity, but they're going to be allowed to operate. And honestly, in restaurants, the alcohol has the biggest margins. In a lot of restaurants, it's the alcohol that carries the restaurant and makes it a profitable enterprise. You take away the sale of alcohol and the profit margins become very volatile and very thin. And what you're saying to all of the smaller operators uh, who or, or just who are just bars, you can't operate at 50% capacity, but the big chain that has a bar in it in its restaurant, they can. This is government this is Governor Cooper specifically government generally picking winners and losers right this is what it looks like it's and it, and if it seems like some of these rules are arbitrary and ignorant it's because they are really um skating rinks a skating rink i guess because you're huffing and puffing and you're expelling the lung juice and then somebody comes by behind you on their skating and they ooh they suck it in and now they got the covid-19 right um, again, why not give the rink operators the opportunity to figure out a way to do it safely, right? Just an idea. Um, what else? Uh, museums. This one, I don't understand. Museums. You, uh, did I miss like, are people huffing and puffing through the museums? What's going on? You're not even allowed to touch anything in a museum. What, what are people touching? How are you spreading anything in a museum? You walk around with your hands behind your back or maybe, you know, you stroke your chin looking at a piece like well, that's it like what are you looking at or what are you uh, what are you contaminating you're not how are you spreading the virus in a museum what this this one's baffling and and by the way he was asked i'm going to get to this audio um in a minute he was asked how did you pick these businesses what was the criteria used you know why does a museum or an amusement park Right? Why do they have to stay closed, but everybody else gets to reopen? Right? <clears throat> he keeps saying also, data science facts. He also keeps saying, you know, we're doing this uh, in a cautious way, and uh, we're, you know, we're doing this really measured, and uh, we're examining all the data, the science, and the facts. And they keep saying these things over and over and over again, and, and it's to the point now where I believe we're just being marketed to at this point. I don't actually think that uh, the science is being used here. And this is the thing, too. People use the word science now, and it's losing all meaning because you're saying science in order to uh, give yourself sort of this uh, uh, credential of superiority, like, oh, yes, this is what the science is dictating. It's why I joke, like, the science in North Carolina is apparently different than the science in all of these other 30-plus states that have already reopened. It's not really science. You have a whole bunch of data sets and you're essentially pulling levers, and you're seeing what happens. 
Let's say, okay, let's open that. Let's see what happens for two weeks. Okay, let's keep that closed. Let's see what happens for two weeks. That's not necessarily science. They are experiments, but it's not necessarily science. This show is made possible by Schaefer Smith, scrambling to set up or improve your website. It can be overwhelming. It was for me. Uh, So let my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design help you out with logos, graphics, photos, and online store. He does search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security for professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs. Schaefer Smith. Make your site look professional, user-friendly, not just for your customers, but also for you. So you can get in there and do what you need to do with your website, and you can adapt more quickly. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Also, the show is made possible by Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. If you are thinking of buying or selling your home, call the only agent that I would call if I were. That's Rowena Patton, 333-4483. That's 333-4483. She understands the COVID-19 times here have impacted everybody in different ways, and you may need to sell your home. Uh, But maybe you're thinking you can't even hold an open house right now. Good news, Rowena has offered walking tour videos of her homes since 2007 on every listing, just like the real thing. That means buyers can tour your home without having to leave their home. Start out with a video consult with Rowena at 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. And the show is made possible by Old Grouch's Military Surplus. If you're looking to be prepared for disasters and pandemics and such, do you need some advice? If you're looking for real military surplus for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's an old school traditional store with a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. You can also text him at 565-2497. That's 565-2497. You can make an order, ask about an item, get some advice. By the way, EMS, law enforcement professionals, if you're looking for uh, uniforms, send them a text. Make an appointment at Old Grouch's Military Surplus across the street from the anti-aircraft gun on Main Street, downtown Clyde, and at oldgrouch.com. So the governor... Roy Cooper and his Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mandy Cohen, they keep saying that they're using the science, the data, and the facts to make their decisions. And so let's take a look at the metrics, the measurements. What what categories are they looking at? What are the data points that they are looking at? Okay, and there are essentially four of these metrics that they're using. First one, COVID-like syndromic cases, people who show up in the emergency department with symptoms. Right now, that's about 3% of all emergency department visits 3%. This is the this is the first metric. COVID like syndromic cases, people with symptoms that look that present as if they have COVID, they show up at the hospital, how many of them are doing so uh, as a percentage of all of the uh visits to the ER and it's 3%. That is level. By the way, that number is level. Um the peak was about 5% a couple of weeks ago. So that's 5% Right now, it's 3% of all uh, hospital visits are COVID syndromic uh, cases. All right, so that's the first one. And by the way, we look good on that one. We get a, a green check mark for that one. The next one is the number of cases, lab confirmed cases. So this is a separate metric. It's not people who show up presenting. This is 
actual people who get the test done, you know, they get the uh, the swab up into the brain and uh, they then uh, test it and they're like, yep, you got the COVID-19. So these are actually lab confirmed cases. And uh, the governor mentioned how many I want to say it was like, uh, yeah, here it is, 20,000 cases, um, 554 hospitalizations, 699 deaths, by the way, uh, just in North Carolina. So the number of cases, that number has been going up. Do you know why? Care to take a guess? Testing. We are doing way more testing. So it's not that these are new cases. Oh my gosh, everybody's getting it. I mean, there are some, don't get me wrong. There are obviously people that are still getting it and are showing up to the emergency rooms. They're getting tested, that sort of thing. However, um, you also have a lot of people that, um, that were testing that turns out they have it, but they're asymptomatic, right? And... They already had it, like the percentage of people that had it and because of the spread rate of this thing, which is really infectious, um, the, the number of people, it's going up and up, but we don't know when that stops because we don't know what the baseline is, right? We don't know where that is. So we're testing and testing and testing and testing and we're catching people and that's, that's good. However, using that as a metric to reopen is self-defeating because as you test more, you get more cases, at least right now. At some point you're gonna you're gonna plateau when we find out what that what that baseline is, right? But right now the number's going up because we were testing like nothing, and then we were like, we need to test more. And we're like, okay, governor, uh what what's the number of tests per day that you need? Uh more. Okay, well, do you have a number? The number is more. We need some more testing, always more testing, more, 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 more. And then after a couple of weeks of that dance, then it turned into five to 6,000 tests. Uh, that's what we needed to get to. And lo and behold, we hit it. Yay, us. And so they told us the number, and then they hit the number, uh, like, immediately. Uh, and now the number, by the way, is somewhere between eight and 12,000. Not the goal. Not the goal. That's what they're doing, which is interesting, right? So... Because if the goal was five to 6,000 that we hit, yay us, go governor, um, then why are we doing more than five to 6,000? So is the goal, that was just the minimum? What, so, so what's the actual goal? Anyway, I know I'm asking stupid questions here that nobody knows these answers, right? Nobody thinks to ask these questions. Testing, the trend is up. That's good. Eight to 12,000 per day over the last week. That's how many tests they're doing, right? Which is interesting now because we've got more tests that come back positive. So we have more positive cases, more, more cases because we have more testing. All right. Number of cases is, is the other metrics. That's the second third metric, the percent of the positive cases. That's that, that's a really important number. And you got to look at that number with the other number I just went over. So if you're testing more, What's the percentage of the cases that are coming back positive as a proportion to the, uh, the total universe of tests that you're giving? If you're giving 100 tests and 10 come back positive, it's going to show that you got 10 cases. But if you do 1,000 tests and 100 come back positive, oh my gosh, you got 100 cases, right? There's been 90 new cases. Oh my gosh, everybody's got it, right? But think of it. It's still the same percentage, right? It's still the same percentage of people that are getting tested, that test positive. And by the way, that number in North Carolina is level. That number is level. And then the fourth metric is the hospital visits. How many of these, um, how many people are in the hospital? And that number's 
level as well. I gave you the number is like 554 hospitalizations. That number has been level. And that's what flattening the curve was all about, right? Making sure that the hospital system didn't get overwhelmed. So this is uh, Mandy Cohen. She was asked, if we're not hitting all of the benchmarks, if we're only getting, you know, three out of four green check marks and one red X, why are we moving forward? And she says, well, you know, we basically are hitting all of the benchmarks. Wait, what? If you look at the White House guidance, it says that we want to see a decrease in our overall surveillance trends. As I went through today, we see that decline. It also says it wants to see either a decrease in your total, your day over day case count or your percent positive of your total test being positive. So we are declining on that second. And so the White House said either or actually in their guidance. And so we meet that criteria. And the Okay, hang on. She just laid out the guidelines, the guidance that the White House gave to states. And as I said yesterday, told all of the states and governors, deviate from this as you need to. This is you know, your call, but these are the guidelines we're offering. Because all of the Democrats and the left and media, but I repeat myself, they were like, why isn't the White House leading? They need to tell all of the states what to do. And so then Trump was like, well, I'll tell the states what to do. I have the authority. They, they got to do what I say. And then they replied, no, you don't have that authority. You can't tell us what to do. So they're like, all right, here are the guidelines and you can follow these, but deviate from them if you need to based on, you know, local data and facts and science on the ground in your state. And so now Governor Cooper gets criticized for deviating and he his defenders, they're all like, he's just following the guidance from the White House. But are they? Yes and no. And they have the right to deviate however they need to. I'm not knocking them for this. However, if you're going to set up the metrics here for us to reopen, and one of those is citing the White House guidelines, and the White House gave you an either-or um, uh, metric, right? They gave you this either-or choice. They said you can look at the number of cases and, or sorry, or, number of cases, or the percent of positive cases. And what Cohen just said there is that we actually meet the criteria for that second. But they're not going to take it. They're not going to take the win. They're going to say, we're going to do both. They're they're opting to have to hit both of those. Because right now, the only benchmark we haven't hit, according to the governor's administration, is that case number one, the number of cases. And the reason the number of cases has gone up is because of the testing, because the percent of positive cases is level. So we're getting more cases. They're finding more because they're testing more. And then the White House guidelines say, well, you can use that metric or you can use the percent of positive cases. And they say, we're not going to pick. We're going to do both. Do you see the problem here? Like you're trying to you're trying to find a way to stay somewhat closed. And at a certain point now, I've got to wonder, like, are we being this cautious? Is the governor being cautious because of the data or because it's politically necessary to justify the actions that he's already taken, to justify the pace at which he's reopening? You keep telling me that you're being all cautious about this, but we hit three of the four. And if you actually follow the guidelines from the White House, you don't even have to hit the fourth one because you hit the either or one. You already did. Like, if this governor wanted to, see, this is the, this is what it shows, is that if they wanted to, they could say, 
The White House gave us these two data points and said you can have this one or that one and, and use the, those data points to, to reopen. And the governor could have said, like other governors around the state, the governor could have said, okay, well, we're going to pick the one that we did better in. We're going to pick the one that we fulfilled. But he didn't. He's saying we're going to do both. We're going to pick both, which means we can't reopen, right? That's what he's decided. So you don't get to slough this off now, uh, pass the buck on to Trump for this, folks, because this is all now on the governor, for good or bad, right? It, it may turn out that this was the, the perfect decision. I don't know. doesn't look like it. I don't know how you say it's the perfect decision for all the business owners that are now bankrupt, you know, had their entire uh, family's wealth wiped out. They'll be out on the street. I, I mean, like, I don't know how you tell them that this, this was a, a success for them. But this is what they're using to justify this piecemeal reopening. All right, back to COVID. ...was making sure that we have that capacity in our health care system and that we are not doing any level of crisis care, which we are not. Um, so we believe we're meeting those metrics. However, as the governor said, we recognize that those day-over-day counts um, are increasing slightly. We want to keep our eye on it, which is why we want to take a more modest step forward into phase two than we were originally contemplating. And I think that's the appropriate measured approach here. It's it's true to the, the data and the science, which says <laughs> largely our metrics are being met. Um, we are stable. We are meeting the White House criteria. Um, however, we have to recognize this in the context of North Carolina and how we have experienced the virus. I think you know that we had we never experienced a surge or a spike in cases. And when you don't have a spike, that means you don't see a decline. What we have done successfully is to flatten the curve, which means fewer people get sick at the same time, and that's been very good. And that's what we want to continue to do, and that's what I think this, this modest next step forward um, in phase two will allow us. All right, so a modest step forward measured. It's cautious. Um, it's the right, it's the appropriate step to take. By the way, uh, Tim Boyum at Spectrum News, he said in a tweet last night, oh, it looks like phase two allows college and pro athletes to train inside as long as it's groups of 10 or less. So, okay, the college programs, they get to train, but not gyms, not gyms. You can't do a gym. I mean, there are gyms that operate. They're very small, and they operate on you know by appointment only, storefront gyms, the fitness places, stuff like that. Um, so the colleges and the pros they can operate safely as long as it's in groups of ten. Uh, they can train, but not gyms. John Sanders at the John Locke Foundation said, "Well, the virus must know the difference." <laughs> right. It's you see arbitrary. They just don't make sense. Some of these decisions just don't make sense. This is the question from Alma McCarty at WFMY News 2. She asked, how did the governor determine which businesses would reopen and which ones would remain shuttered? And uh, here's how the governor, uh, well, I was going to say answered that question, but he didn't. You know, there are places that... uh the likely spread of the virus can occur, and these were places that were closed to start with. I think that we are in a good place by making a cautious move here, and we want to look at this timeline and to look at our numbers over five weeks. 
We are concerned about the increasing number of COVID cases that we see in North Carolina. And so uh, we've made the decision to move forward in this way, which we think is, is positive. It's a cautious move, but we know that in many of these places that are indoors and people close to each other and uh, touching items that spread of the virus can uh, likely occur. So we're making a cautious move with this phase two. <laughs> Anything you want to add, Dr. Cohen? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Next right. question, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're touching things and they're in this place together. And, you know, these were businesses that were closed already. And so we made the choice to do it this way, and it's cautious, and it's, it's uh, you know, measured, and uh, we think it's a positive decision, and uh, it's a cautious one, and, um, and we made this decision. He did not answer the question. She asked, how did you determine which businesses had to stay closed for another five weeks? And he says, Nothing. He has no explanation for this. None. This is awful. If you're a business owner of one of these targeted businesses that has to stay closed, do you think you're satisfied with that answer? Of course not. This is what I said earlier. This governor might not be very adept at handling crises. When you answer a question, this is like... This is not how you answer a question if you're involved in the meetings and the discussions. I'm getting the sense that Cooper isn't actually even involved in some of these meetings. They have not they have not talked about their process in any of these press conferences. They don't talk about their process. They don't talk about a strategy. They don't nothing. They come out and they give us this pap, this marketing slogan, the three W's and the phases and the three T's and the uh, modest and cautious and measured and Science and data and facts, so am I, and never look behind the curtain. It doesn't inspire confidence, and you lose the consent of the governed. And if you looked at social media, I saw lefties that were apoplectic over this. Like, I have not gotten the sense up until last night when he did that press conference and these rules got issued and people started looking at it, I have not gotten the sense that People have had enough of Cooper. I got that sense last night. Now, I don't know if Dan Forrest, the Republican lieutenant governor who's challenging Cooper in the election, I don't know if Dan Forrest uh, has the, uh, uh, you know, ha has, a, uh, has room to run here, if he can capitalize on this. And, and, and that's a tough line to walk because you want to you try to, you know, advance a position that you would do things differently while not undermining the efforts and being perceived as, uh, you know, reckless and dangerous and uh, not being a team player, not rallying around the flag and wanting people to die and all the criticism that Dan Forrest was getting over the last two months. But last night on social media, you'd think Dan Forrest had taken over everybody's Facebook page. <laughs> the criticism that Cooper was getting for this, because some of these decisions are not defensible. They're born of ignorance. It makes you wonder how many of you people actually go to a gym. Here's one. How about a gym in an apartment complex? This one I know firsthand. I live in an apartment complex. I've been living in apartment complexes actually most of my adult life. And um, 
the apartment complexes generally usually have some sort of a fitness center, you know, to varying degrees. And uh, ours is closed right now. The, the gym at our place is closed. It's been closed for almost three months now. Uh, we're paying for it. Now, of course, the, you know, the property management corporation, they say, well, it, you're technically not renting the amenities. That's not part of your rent. We can, you know, shut those off anytime we want to. So they're covered. Okay. So nobody gets a rent reduction. Everybody has to keep paying the same amount of rent, even though you don't get any of the amenities any longer. And so this one, yeah, this is, this affects me personally. It's not my business. Uh, I can still walk around and do exercises in my apartment like Winston Smith in 1984. I can still do all of that. Um, but uh, no, the the fitness center downstairs is they've got a ch- uh, like a chain lock, like a bike lock over the over the door handles, and uh, nobody's allowed to use them. Now, even even when that place was open, the most amount of people I ever saw in there at any given time was like five, five people in there, and they're not all up on top of each other. Every gym is different. This was my, this is my point. Like you've. You've got to trust people, just like you trust people to make the right decision uh, that, you know, or when they're uh, slinging bags of food through the door, uh, you know, at a restaurant that is shifted to takeout and, and uh, delivery only model. Um, just like you trust them enough to do that. Why can't you trust gym owners to disinfect and clean and space everything apart? People are getting fed up. People are getting fed up with the inconsistent application of the standard. They're all beginning to see it now. It's one, it was one thing when everybody was locked down together, all in this together, right? But now, now it's becoming uh, very obvious that the decisions that are getting made are, as I said, are they are essentially, let's pull this lever and see what happens. Let's push that lever and see what happens. And they say that they're making these decisions so they can see what happens. Do we see more outbreaks? Do we see more spikes? He's trying to keep the, the curve flat, trying to keep it all nice on a, you know, an, an even keel and that sort of thing. And if you open something up and, oh, oh my gosh, all, all these uh, cases now, you got a big hot spot that just erupted. Now we're going to close the lever again. We're going to shut it all down again. And that's all they're looking at. Meanwhile, there's, there's a wake of devastation, right, in, in its... In its path that uh, people who have spent their entire lives building a business, they have now been shut down. They're done. They're they're done. Breweries. There's another one. How about a brewery? Does it count as a restaurant or a bar? I'm thinking like Sierra Nevada, the big uh, in Mills River, the big uh, facility. I'm thinking that one probably counts as a restaurant so they can reopen. I'm assuming. Right. But a brewery. Not sure if you're just I mean, I've been to like the breweries. I uh, went to Hillman the other day. My wife and I uh, went over to Hillman Brewery in uh, Biltmore Village, and we walked up, and they basically are running it like a like like the banana stand uh, in uh, <laughs> what was it? Arrested Development, uh, right? So where they just like they pushed the bar right up to the front window area, whatever, and they're just like, okay, we're we're serving uh, what do they call them? Crowlers, like these big cans, these thirty-two ounce cans. They're canning beer. And selling just the cans. That's all they can do. That's all they're allowed to do. They're not a bar. No, so, but if you're a bar, you can't even do that. You can't even do what the breweries are doing. The governor is picking winners and losers, and when he explains why, it doesn't make sense. A playground that's at a daycare, that's allowed, but a playground that's outside at a park, that's not allowed. I almost wonder if it's because they don't want to have to pay to sanitize the thing. Is that it? 
right? You don't want to put a cost burden on all the state uh, or the yeah the state uh, maintenance and the, the the county and city maintenance departments to have to go and constantly be sanitizing everything. So you're just going to lock everything down. Cooper said that he believes this next phase, though, that it can boost the economy. But we can only help our economy when people have confidence in their own safety, mm. which is why it's important to ease restrictions carefully and use data like Dr. Cohen was talking about <laughs> in deciding when to do it. Right. So he's going to make the determination of when you feel safe. That's what he just said there. That's what he just said. He said, this is going to help boost the economy, but it can only, it will take a listen. I'll, I'll re-rack it here. L- listen, he's saying it can only work if you feel safe. But we can only help our economy when people have confidence in their own safety. In their own safety. And he's going to know when you have confidence in your own safety. And he's going to, his executive orders are going to give you that confidence. That's what he's saying. I got news for you. Most people don't need your executive order to have that confidence. You know what gives them confidence? The actual data, the actual risk assessment. What's my chance of getting it and dying from it? Still data points that this governor and secretary of health and human services refuse to talk about. Nobody ever asks them that. Think about this. There have been, what did he say, 699 deaths, so 700 deaths in North Carolina out of 10.5 million people. What are the chances of getting it and dying from it? That's a data point. That's science. I posted the chart from the, uh, the free op folks, Avik Roy, uh, the FREOP, um, posted it up at the Pete page at, uh, at Patreon. So if you want to see an actual table of your risk assessment, you can actually find it by going to thepetecalendarshow.com. Click on the upper right-hand side, and it's the uh, Patreon page. All right, so here he is. This is, this is all about uh, helping the economy. Which is why it's important to ease restrictions carefully mm-hmm. and use data like Dr. Cohen was talking about in deciding when to do it. Now, I know this virus has upended life for many North Carolinians, especially those who've lost their incomes. And I've directed the Division of Employment Security to improve the efficiency and customer service of the unemployment benefits process. (laughs) Oh, well, oh, thank goodness. As long as you've directed them to improve, that'll give people money. (laughs) That... By the way, that is literally the only thing he said about the complete Charlie Foxtrot that has occurred at the uh, Division of Employment Services and the unemployment checks and such. Hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of people still have not gotten unemployment checks. Rent is coming due in nine days, folks. I do wonder, would anybody ask the governor if he should take a paycheck while all of these people are out of work and not making a paycheck? Right. Nobody, no, nobody's going to ask him that. You're right. No, no one's going to ask him that. He then gave a virtue signaling pep talk about face masks, uh, talking to the frightened folks who need another argument to support their use of masks everywhere. A face covering signifies strength and compassion for others. Wearing one means that you actually care about other people's health. (laughs) And I'm proud every day here at the Emergency Operations Center when I see our brave National Guard soldiers and tough Marine Mike Sprayberry using them. Finally, I'd ask us all to be patient and understanding of the frontline heroes who are running cash registers, driving delivery routes, and helping customers. 
especially those businesses that will just be opening this weekend. Not every restaurant and salon will be able to open Friday evening, and some may choose not to open at all. Show them the courtesy of patience that they, and so as they weigh how to best serve their customers and to stay safe. We owe that to them. And let's keep looking out for our neighbors, thanking our frontline workers, getting some fresh air when we can, and working together to defeat this virus. Again, I just can't get over he, the guy is in a constant losing wrestling match with his tongue. It's it, it really is amazing. Could you imagine if he could deliver these lines? <laughs> How mad do you think the comms team must be to write these lines and be like, "Yo, this is going to be so awesome," and then have him deliver it like that? Look, by the way, uh, I support wearing masks. I do. Like, I don't. I don't have any problem with it. I. Uh, I bring the mask with me. Usually if I, you know, sometimes I forget, but generally I bring the mask with me. It doesn't make any difference to me. Okay. I understand there are studies that say it doesn't matter. There are studies that say it does matter. If I wear it and it gives other people confidence and it makes them at ease, uh, gives them a sense of safety, I'm fine to wear it. If you're a business and you want to mandate it, I'm fine with that too. I don't have any problem wearing the mask. It's, uh, I've seen it argued and I kind of agree. It's the same reason why I conceal carry. You know, and why I don't open carry. Uh, if it makes people feel more comfortable to be around me when I'm concealed carrying and they don't see it, then that's fine. I'm happy to do that, too. And I carry the gun for protection on the off chance that I might need it. God forbid I do. And that's how I look at the mask, too. So I don't view it through any kind of a political prism either. Uh, and I don't know why people would, but that's I have no problem with the mask. Um, if Here's the benefit for me. It keeps me from touching my nose or my mouth, rubbing my eyes. Uh, it keeps me from doing that. So that's that's helpful for me. So this way I don't go and take the coronavirus and smear it into my eyelids. Ah, that's just me. All right. That's a wrap for this episode. Remember, please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up in the reviews. And consider becoming a patron of the program. You get cool stuff and exclusive content. Links are at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.